Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Liberty Dispatch Interviews. We have a treat for you today. We have a friend of the show, personal friend of mine. He and his wife have been the recipients of some wonderful Bibles, a la Christian book discount Bible blowout sales. So we're happy to have with us on Liberty Dispatch Interviews, Greg Hill. Greg's aviation dream was born at the age of 13, and he spent 30 years flying, first in the military, with multiple deployments around the world, including three to Afghanistan, then with a major Canadian airline, which sidelined him from flying and threatened termination in 2021 over health freedom. Greg, if you know him, you know this is true, is passionate about freedom in general, which leads to the founding and co-directing of Free to Fly. He spends the bulk of his time fighting for freedoms of every Canadian, coast to coast, Greg, Thank you so much for joining us on Liberty Dispatch Interviews today. Thanks for having me back, Chance. So, Greg, anyone who knows you, who follows you, uh, I mean, you've been very open about both your position and your status on the experimental gene therapy. Uh, and so there's no, no surprise to anyone. Now, the United States extended its border mandate for unjabbed people until April 10th, 2023. Yet you've been able to fly for work into and out of the United States multiple times. I'm sure that's confusing for people to think, wait a minute, I, I thought you couldn't go in, but you can go in. Even people who drive into the border, it's 50-50. Some people say they're not asked at all. Some people are asked. So, I mean, help us understand what's going on. How do we make sense of you know, this inconsistency? Yeah, it's a pretty broad question. As far as the aviation piece goes, that's vested within an exemption uh, in the CDC guidance. So there's all sorts of, uh, I would call it into the weeds type things that probably aren't of great interest. But even for those of us that are unjabbed as flight crew, uh, there, there's things like we can we can continue with our normal flying, but let's say you, you uh, typically would do your simulators down in, in Florida when it comes to training. Uh, we're not allowed to do the training. So there's all sorts of sub-sub parts that, um, as many of your viewers have probably found, are, are somewhat difficult to find on the internet. So that's one of the many, I guess I'd call it services that Free to Fly provides, is to try and highlight some of these things. Because, I mean, we've had emails from, from supporters that, and I totally understand it, they think, well, Justin Trudeau has uh, suspended these mandates so the world must be open because he's probably the last guy. So they buy a $5,000 uh, vacation in Florida, let's say, and we have to say, uh, actually, uh, believe it or not, uh, Mr. Biden uh, is continuing to double down on this along with the likes of Angola and Pakistan. Yeah, two, two countries that we, we would say are the bastion of freedom <laughs> and democracy. The United States is right up there with them. So that's silly yeah, yeah. Uh, greg i i don't want to ask you to speculate but i mean it it beggars the mind to think that the states which make so much of their money um each and every year off of tourism would continue this sham for as long as they have <laughs> you know have you been privy to any conversations to why they're continuing on with these mandates? Uh, what What is the official line given to you as pilots that this is continuing in the way that it it has? Maybe you could give us some insight, if you have any there, um, on, on the continuing uh, COVID 
mandates that are that are still on on travel between Canada and the U.S. Right. Well, I, I would I would put some of this into almost the rhetorical category, right? I'm, I'm sure you guys are the same as me that there's some things that it's hardly worth asking the question why. I mean, as far as as the states, uh, we, we've been pretty active uh, in in being in contact with some congressmen and senators in the states who are doing some good work behind the scenes and trying to get this uh, this alleviated. Uh, part of the issue, and we're seeing some activity on that even over the last couple of weeks, but you've got healthcare workers in the states that, that continue to be mandated. So I think a small piece of it, at least, is the optics of, of opening up the border to foreigners when you've got domestic healthcare workers that are still uh, mandated. So that's a small piece of it. Um, even with with uh, Mr. Biden's May 11th pronouncement that the emergency is going to be over three months hence, uh, which which I'm sure uh, most of your viewers are scratching their head along with us because if it's three months during the COVID era uh, would seem like like years almost, and much can happen between now and then. But there there is good work that's being done behind the scenes uh, as well as publicly, and so we've got something like House Resolution 185, which is being voted on in the floor of the House tomorrow, and that specifically targets the CDC's ban on air travel for un, uh, unjabbed foreigners. Now, uh, it'll it'll most certainly, I would say, pass the House, but unfortunately, given the dysfunction of the American political system, which seems to be a global phenomenon, it'll likely get defeated in the Senate. But I would encourage those uh, that are that are tracking with this not to be discouraged by that. I mean, part of the political strategy here was to raise awareness, and that awareness is critical because we're seeing, uh, and your point is very well taken, Matt, that. Uh, the, the problem is there's so um, it's not politically expedient, particularly to hammer away at this issue, because economically, you're right. I mean, uh, there's billions of dollars that get spent in the, in the states for, on tourism dollars. But how many of those are being foregone due to unjabbed Canadians that are not going south? It's not insignificant. It's probably two or three billion dollars. Uh, but for the average American politician, uh, given how much they can handle legislatively, they, they haven't been particularly interested in it. But we are pleased to see Mr. Uh, Thomas Massey, um, who's put forward this HR 185. But even in Canada, I'm disappointed by the fact that our Canadian politicians, uh, even with some of the other issues that we're going to talk about uh, down the road here, if there's the slightest sniff uh, of a vaccine type issue associated with it, they typically would rather not delve into it because it's uh, it's politically a hot potato. And I think that's part of it uh, that we're seeing in the States as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not just uh, not just politicians, Greg, but something that we found as well, even in the media world, even people mm -hmm. that we would say are more conservative, freedom minded, are very tenuous in their approach to issues of the jab. I know Bright Light News <laughs> is they have been on the ball from day one. But some of our other friends who we appreciate, who they would say they are conservative, freedom minded, even they're quite careful in the way they approach the jab and the mandates and even the consequences of them. And so how would you describe our approach, yeah, Andrew? <laughs> how would I describe our approach? Yeah, I would describe our Truthful. approach as a sledgehammer. Yes, as a as a dominion sledgehammer. OK, I appreciate um, that. So, Greg, a question that that I have for you is an article came across my way not that long ago. And the article speaks of something that happened all the way back in October, but it was kind of done very quietly. So no one noticed. And then once people took notice, all of a sudden they started blasting it out. And so the article uh, is from so basically the FAA, which is the American that's the American side of things on October 24th, 2022. 
they widen the EKG requirements necessary for pilots to be able to fly. So the PR, which is a measure of heart function, used to be in the range of 0.12 to 0.2, that that was the range of acceptable heart health and heart function. However, and again, they did this quietly on October 24th of last year, they widened the range from 0.12 to 0.3 and even potentially higher. And medical experts are saying this is a wide range and that even mm. accommodates people who've had some sort of cardiac injury, even if it's only a mild cardiac injury. So this is the FAA saying that now they're, they're more okay. They're, the, the range of acceptable heart injury is widened for pilots. What about yeah. here in Canada? Should we be concerned when we think about that? Is there a similar thing going on here with our Canadian kind of airline industry and, 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 and apparatus? Right. No, I appreciate the question, Andrew. We've gotten plenty of emails from it, and, and I've been tracking that since the start. We're closely affiliated with uh, with what I would uh, would say is the uh, American version of Free to Fly Canada, the U.S. Freedom Flyers, along with Aussie Freedom Flyers, etc. So uh, we track with, with them and, and uh, watch that uh, roll out. Uh, I, I'd like to say the FAA is, uh, is the American version of Transport Canada, essentially. So it's not apples and oranges, but it's kind of uh, honey crisp to crab apple or something, right? So there's similarities, but they're not uh, they're not one for one. So when this rolled out, I, I thought to myself, uh, and I was a little embarrassed. I thought, man, um, we really should have pushed this out uh, more widely sooner. But I would argue the situation here in Canada is uh, is almost worse, and th and this is a continuation of what I would say is Transport Canada's abdication of their responsibility as the transport regulator, uh, particularly in regards to safety since day one. That goes right back to the jabs, proper uh, oversight as far as efficacy, safety, and otherwise. But what they did initially uh, back in 2020, and I'll give them some grace on this because we were all reeling, trying to figure things out. So initially, around May of 2020, they said, listen, anybody that's going to expire on their in-person medical, because importantly, and this, this is a key fact, pre-COVID, Every year you had to go in in person and see your doctor. Uh, if you're over 40, you had to have an EKG um, every year. So in May of 2020, they said, okay, we'll extend the deadline uh, if you are expiring. That was until uh, June of 2020. And then what they said was, well, you can do an attestation. So you could literally just head down to the kitchen table and say to your wife, please sign this piece of paper saying that I'm healthy. Then move forward to March of 21, which is where we're at now. And this is February of 2023 as the world largely tries to move on post-COVID, uh, at least uh, ostensibly, is the telemedicals. So you can do two telemedicals in a row, meaning that a pilot now in Canada can go up to 36 months without ever seeing their doctor in person. And that includes EKGs. You're not getting EKGs. So, I mean, I like to point out the fact uh, it's just a complete decoupling uh, of common sense from policy because we're in a situation now where a pilot, let's say in Toronto, could uh, hop on a bus uh, and sit jammed in a bus for, let's say, an hour to go downtown Toronto, head to a crowded bar, have a pint of beer, then head off to uh, whatever we're calling the Leafs uh, Arena now. I apologize to Leafs fans, but uh, he can sit there with 20,000 people. And I absolutely welcome this. And I think it's fantastic. He can do all of those things without restriction. But with this exemption, what it words and the concern, and this goes back to 2020, Transport Canada is saying, due to the requirement for social distancing and avoiding hazardous health hazardous healthcare scenarios, 
This pilot cannot sit alone in a pristine airline office with his doctor and uh, have his medical uh, status properly assessed. It's, uh, it's really hard to even wrap your head around uh, the rationale here. And uh, I mean, I could, I could go on here, but I, I've been talking for a while now. There's, there's more points to be made here, but... Yeah, so given given the concerning trends, the nonsensical policy that you're talking about, Greg, I'm sure our listeners and our viewers have a, a level of concern uh, as it uh, comes to flying. Should they be getting on planes? Like if, if they're going to uh, change the standards for the, uh, uh, the medical appointments for, for pilots, um, you guys mm-hmm. have an article which we'll link into the description on how pilots are just naturally more susceptible to and prone to blood clotting um and we know that that's a side effect of um these experimental gene therapies um should should our viewers be concerned that they're going to be going on their vacation to florida or um, arizona or something like that during the winter months uh, in, <laughs> and they're the plane's just right. going to fall from the sky and they're gonna they're gonna die or is that is that a little bit of fear-mongering I, I would say it's some of the latter, but uh, I appreciate the question. Uh, I mean, this this is the water that I swim in, so I assume everybody understands what happens w- with what we would call a pilot incapacitation event, but uh, but that's not the case. And, and of course it isn't when I sit back and think about it. So a couple points. Um, obviously it's it, it's dependent on the phase of flight and that's that's regardless of whether it's pilot incapacitation or otherwise. I mean, we we, we train for engine failures uh, right on liftoff from the runway, essentially, because that's the worst possible time for it to happen. So, you know, if you're below 100 feet uh, on a takeoff or landing, it's more uh, it's more risky. But the vast, vast majority of the time we're sitting in crews uh, with the autopilot coupled. So, so if a pilot, uh, and sometimes if you're on a longer flight, let's say going to Asia, you're going to have three or four pilots on board. But let's say it's just myself and... Uh, and uh, my co-pilot and we're heading across the country here in Canada, if for some reason he keels over, which does happen and it happened before COVID and we've trained for it for decades from food poisoning or a blood, uh, some sort of blood clot or a heart attack or, or otherwise, the first thing we do is assume control. Uh, the, the, the healthy pilot, make sure we're at a safe altitude, engage the autopilot if it's not, which typically it would be in cruise. And then at that point, we want to get his seat as far back as possible, lock the shoulder harness, move the rudder pedals forward, or best case, get him out of the seat if there's another pilot traveling in the back or otherwise. So then at that point, the risk is definitely elevated because you've taken a two-pilot airplane and turned it essentially into a single pilot. But it's it's these are things we train for. So we need to figure out where we're going to go you know, we'll, we'll go uh, divert to Winnipeg and visit uh, Matt. So, so now I've got to plan, do all that planning, uh, set up the approach, talk to air traffic control, talk to the passengers, the flight attendant, the company, everybody wants to know what's going on and then get the aircraft out of 36,000 feet down for a safe uh, approach and landing and get this, uh, this guy or gal off to a hospital. So that's, I find that explaining that scenario is helpful for people. I know it's a bit long-winded, but I, I like to use the, uh, a couple points to bring up the, um, the fear-mongering piece that you're talking about, because we have had seen some things come out of the States recently that, that I felt were a little irresponsible, summoning imagery of 9-11 with airplanes plowing into apartment buildings and such. That's just anybody who's a professional aviator knows that that isn't what happens with a pilot incapacitation event. I'm not minimizing it because we've been very vocal with this from the start, but if we're that concerned, 
Then as I drove across Toronto over the weekend, 12 lanes of traffic with single pilot, uh, you know, cars zorching back and forth, the majority of whom are vaccinated, I would say we need to start being concerned about that aspect as well. But, um, you know, I'm not here to fear monger, but I am here to say it's like traveling in a snowstorm. Uh, you put your snow tires on and you drive a little slower. Well, in this case, Transport Canada needs to put the snow tires on and get pilots back in person uh, for medicals because we're not prone, myself included, you know, a couple little aches and pains as I head into my 50s and my wife is uh, on me regularly saying, you really should call a doctor. Well, there's a hundred things I'd rather do uh, and it's been months now and I haven't gone. And every pilot at an airline typically knows at least one or two other guys who says, Thank goodness for Dr. Smith uh, at my airline because I went in for my annual medical and he discovered whatever it might be, prostate cancer. I had a friend who discovered that during his annual medical. So uh, we need to do what's right here, uh, not just simply do what's expedient. And there's an expediency here that even amongst our pilot community, it's just it's easier to do a telemedical than it is to drive an hour or two to Toronto to do one uh, in person. Yeah. So that's a very important point, because I think it's very sober analysis on you. You don't want people to freak out. You don't want the fear mongering. But we do want to highlight the issue at a time where people are experiencing these sudden medical events, um, especially due to the vaccine and all those things like we've talked about on the program, that's not a time to lessen the standards right. and deviate from normal um, logical practice as it pertains to medical examinations for pilots. Exactly. But that's exactly what we've seen happen. And that should be concerning uh, without right. the fear mongering side of it. So I think well, that's, that's helpful for us. Yeah, and, and I mean, the reality, and I, and I don't say this uh, with anything other than, than deep regret and concern, but I've spent hours on the phone with, with uh, jab-injured Canadian airline pilots, and that, that runs the full uh, spectrum. Uh, some of them are off work, and, but some of them are on work, just hoping that things uh, are back to work and, and hoping that things uh, get better. So it's no different than the rest of the demogra demographic that we're seeing across this country. We all know people uh, that are either harmed or, worst case, uh, are no longer with us. And that's why we ultimately we want the, the long term economic success of our of our airlines. Um, and we want the safety of the traveling public and our aviation professionals. And that's why we're advocating uh, to try and get some awareness for, for this issue uh, amongst others. Yeah, and I think we, we don't have to be afraid if for no other reason that I've seen enough 90s action movies to know that if both pilots go down, all I have to do is put on a headset, radio in the <laughs> tower, there's a big fat binder that I get to open up. All I do is play with a few knobs and then I can land the plane. Right? That's just there's one particular movie that I'm not going to say because people might not approve of my enjoyment of said movie. But that's all <laughs> I got to do. Just put on the headset and then I'm, I'm good to go. So and by the way, don't uh, don't press the car thing too much um, and don't make people think too much about safety with driving. Otherwise, that's an argument for fully automated yeah, self-driving vehicles, yeah. vehicles so you, yeah. you don't want to make the wef's argument for that um <laughs> yeah right, Pete while, we here, yeah. while we while we have you here i know that you know you you talk a lot and speak a lot and and are researched a lot in uh in issues of flying and aviation but i also know and you and i personally have had a number of conversations about the broader kind of social issues and impact of what we've seen happen in our country in the last three years. And so mm -hmm. to kind of give you the last word, uh, I'll set it up. It seems like people are kind of 
lulling back to sleep. We're kind of going back into this restful slumber now that the mandates are gone, now that things appear to be back to normal, whatever that is, and they have all their, their bread and circus is available to them once again. And it seems like, oh, we can we can take our foot off the gas pedal. We can just relax a little bit. And we know differently because we've mm-hmm. seen what happened in the last three years. And so to, to those Canadians who were thinking, listen, I'm really glad we got through the last three years. It was intense, but we're kind of back on track and back to normal. And we can just get right back to life as usual. What would you say to them? How would you speak to that and encourage them to not not fall back asleep like we were in 2019? Well, I, I appreciate that question because I think it's more important than anything else that we've talked about here. And, and I'm not going to get into the individual issues, whether it's digital ID, currency, or otherwise, because I know you guys hammer away at these all the time. I'll just speak from a personal level because uh, because I think increasingly over the past several months, I've been convicted. Um, and, and some of it goes back to, to Steve Richardson uh, gave a sermon on a Friday night Um at uh, the Church at War conference, uh, and you were there, Andrew, and, and actually I, I spoke to, to, to uh, Steve just after I spoke to you. And I was very convicted by, by that Friday night sermon, which was focused on essentially our prayerlessness, but it also convicted me that a lot of what we spend our time focusing on nowadays may seem good, but it's not necessarily of God. And that goes for myself as well in, in all the various things that I'm doing with Free to Fly. It's, these are good things. Uh, but they're not necessarily the God things uh, that, that he wants us working on. And more and more, I'm convinced that the solutions are really found, uh, well, either found, uh, they're found in Christ, uh, but they're also found uh, in doing. And a lot of that needs to be uh, relational, community-based, local uh, type, of, uh, type of efforts. But ultimately, if we're not focusing uh, on the kingdom, then really, uh, what are we doing? Uh, and I've been reading through Lamentations, which sounds like a lot of fun, I know. Uh, but but there's a portion in chapter three that that really stands out, and maybe I'll close with that. And it, it, it's it's fascinating for me because he you know you could go on about my teeth grind on gravel and and all sorts of other imagery, but then it says, but this uh, I call to mind, and I have hope. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Um, and if we if we aren't focused on that ultimately, in a, from a from a standpoint of primacy, uh, then in a nation that has really turned its back on God, what are we doing? And I think that's what we've got to focus on. Things things aren't going to get get uh, any easier in what lies ahead, and nor can we outsource solutions to the to uh, anything that's vested in the state, whether they're lawyers, politicians, or otherwise. Ultimately, our hope is in Christ, and I think we've got to focus on that. Oh, well said, man. Uh, I was also there at that conference, and I just wept during that entire sermon just because, you know, Steve really drove the stake through my heart and um, got at the heart of the issue. And I think it was just a great way to orient the the conference and uh, Mm -hmm. really start us off on that good uh, good foot, lest we just be a bunch of rowdy Christians screaming at the sky, you know. Um, I thought it was really good. I'll link in the description that sermon for people to check out because it was truly yeah, it's great. a wonderful sermon and you would be blessed by it i'm sure this is why we love to have you on greg you're a friend we love to hear from you we love to glean from your expertise but we also love that you 
root what you're saying and what you're doing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can people, if they want to know more about you and what you're doing with Free to Fly Canada, how can they get more of that info? Where can they check it out? Yeah, I think you'll probably have a note in the uh, in the show notes and they can mm-hmm. click there. The one thing I'd like to point people to is, is what's called a call to courage uh, because it talks about some of what uh, what we spoke about here right now. And I think really, unless we understand that, uh, that we've got to stand up and, and this is the beauty of being associated in a community that understands uh, the word that says, take up your cross and follow me. And I'm not saying the issues we're talking about are matters of salvation to be very clear, but I think we've got to understand that, that solutions ultimately come through personal sacrifice uh, and being willing to set things aside uh, for the sake of a, of a higher calling. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, Greg, thank you so much for, for joining us. I know that call to courage, I, the first time I heard it was, was you reading it at a, uh, a polit- political event in Burlington, and you read it out, and then I went on the website and I found it. I would, I would heartily recommend everyone check that out, um, read it, download it, share it. I think that it is a valuable position to hold in one's heart and in one's mind for the days ahead. Uh, Greg, yeah, thanks so much for joining us on The Dispatch today. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, brother. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com. Friends, we're posting new content multiple times every week throughout our various shows on this channel. So you're going to want to subscribe to it and hit that notification bell. That way you stay up to date with everything that we're releasing here with the Liberty Coalition Canada.